Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. If history were taught in the form of stories, it would never be forgotten. Welcome to Storytelling Shenanigans, the 30th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century writer Rudyard Kipling. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. Okay, so <laughs> we're... We're going to go on a slightly different track today. Yeah, we Everything's decided... been so... Heavy? Like, heavy. Gloom and doom. Very, yeah. like, very... We, we discussed some very difficult topics recently. We're going to discuss weighty, more difficult topics in the future. Weighty issues. Yeah, so we want... And this is our third week recording in a row. And we're all... I, I at least, am, am definitely feeling it. <laughs> the, like, difference in... Schedule. Schedule. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. usually I have two weeks to prepare for an episode, and this time I had to prepare an episode each week. Although, remember... It could potentially. That's one. I know of we our could goals. move to this. I we know could move to this. If I know. Our patrons decide if we get more and if we get enough patrons. Don't remind me. <laughs> this could become a thing because but I, you get used to because it. Because I don't love it right now. Yes, but you would get used to it. <laughs> sure, you can say that now. Here we are. Here we are in the third week of recording in a row, and I was like, we need a break, and Carr was like, yeah, we do. So we decided to do to start the series that I've been really looking forward to for yeah. a while. I floated it to to Carr and Gwyn months and months ago, probably six months ago oh, now. God, yeah. yeah, at least. Um, was when I first put it on our schedule as a potential series. We're going to be retelling stories from various myths in our own words. Right. Because I think you can learn a lot about a myth from retelling it. You can mm-hmm. learn the parts that are sort of important to you in the process of telling that story. It sort of evolves a little bit because each storyteller brings their own character to the situation. I think it's an interesting process, just like academically, but also it's a lot of fun to be able to share sort of the mythology mm-hmm. of your various paths with each other. So yeah. we're going to be doing and that today. Yeah, I don't know about you. If we do it in our own words, I think we should put a disclaimer out there. <laughs> there are many, many myths and different variations on myths. So these are just, I'm just basically taking the basic facts and kind of tell the story like I would tell the story. <laughs> well, and and like the the stories I'm telling, I'm telling heathen stories, I'm telling stories from the Eddas. In the Eddas, they're very formal and they have very specific sort of rules and structures to them. The way I tell them, they're not going to have that. So, like, I still encourage people, obviously, to go read the Eddas. Right. But I think telling the stories to each other, mm-hmm. like I said, you you learn different things. You get different facets yeah. out of those stories. And what was fun for me about this is because, you know, Carr is going to be doing the Celtic versions, mm-hmm. and obviously Ode is doing the heathen, <laughs> and so the gods that I'm, or goddesses that I'm working with right now are Celtic and heathen, uh, or Norse. <laughs> so I decided to dip into my past uh-huh. when I worked with some Greek gods and goddesses, and so I'll be telling Greek stories today. Yep. We get to read all our patrons now. That's right. All right, so we have 13 kittens. Woo! Good golly, Miss Molly. Yeah. <laughs> we love so. you, kittens. We, we love you. You can probably hear our kitten. Maybe. Sprinting yep. around, thunder paws in the background. Yep. If you, yeah, so if you hear jingling, it's, yeah, it's him it's playing. the cat. <laughs> yep. And then our cats are... There are 12 of them. <laughs> Briar Aldridge, Emily Hagelin, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Kathleen O'Sullivan Cook, Marie Gray, Marcella M., Michelle Kokolek Burkett, Sarah <laughs> Pressure, Susan Dahan, Tally Kozoil Thomason, and Tanya Allen. Those are our cats. Our hunters are Nicodemus Tibbetts, Eris. Brandon Summit, Charles Howison, Darby Lockridge, Aaron Mao, Fen Ashburn, 
Henry Wodenhouse, James Smith, Joe, Kay Kremer, Carly, Leland, Lorelei, Makara Mullen, Pine, Sarah Boonder, Stevie Thompson, and Wick. Holy shit, we've got a lot of hunters. All right, and our tigers? Akaneko and Crystal Potinen. Maybe. <laughs> the Crystal Potinen. I'm still not confident that we're saying that right. <laughs> Hopefully it's close enough. And our Jaguars. Jaguar. Is Justin Stanage. So The illustrious Justin the illustrious <laughs> Justin. We love you. We love our patrons. There's so many of there them are. now. There Should are. we also announce that we're going to be going to Convocation 2019 in a couple of weeks? Yeah, so two weeks actually from today we'll be teaching the ultra high speed extreme edition edition of... Building Your Book. Bu- thank you. The Building Your Book series. <laughs> wow. It's a good thing you're here to finish my sentences. Uh, um, <laughs> You got no patience this time. No, I don't. No, no I don't. Any, any hesitation, I'm like, did you want this word? How about this one? I am your inbuilt thesaurus. <laughs> so we'll be teaching that at convocation. Hopefully, there will be some people there. <laughs> but you're also- yeah, we've taught this before. Where just like. One, two One people show up. Maximum. Yeah. We're also yeah. going to be doing interviews, though. Yes, yep. with some we're really... doing a bunch of interviews with some really cool people, including Jason Mankey and Ellen uh, Duggan, Ellen Duggan mm-hmm. Storm Ferrywolf, and Devin Hunter. We're going to be doing a... Witch Doctor Utu. We're going to be doing a cross-podcasting... That's right. I'm yes. excited about uh, that. ...scenario <laughs> with uh, Sarenth Odinson and, and James Stovall. Yep. Uh, and their podcast around Grandfather Fire. Yep, exactly. We're so, very excited about that. Yeah, we're this. super stoked it's about that. Be fun. Th- that'll be released on the exact same day. So yeah, we'll it's going to be it. simulcast, yep. basically. Mm-hmm. But they'll be slightly different because there'll be two different people editing. Editing, yes. Yeah. 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 So, so we'll see what my edit looks like versus, I don't know if, I don't know if James or Saren does, does the editing. I think James does the editing. Okay. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what James' edit looks like versus my edit. Right, yeah. <laughs> that'll so, be an interesting experience. You so, should listen to both so you can find out, so you can compare notes. If you haven't already listen to Around Grandfather Fire. Mm-hmm. Now's your chance. Mm-hmm. Go listen to They're them. Great. Take a break from ours if you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go sign up. We'll make sure that we link them in the comments of this. Mm-hmm. Yep. So go listen to Around Grandfather Fire and hear what they're all about. They're Definitely very do. Very cool. I a have lot been of fun to, to I have been to several of Sarenth Odinson's classes classes at various events, and I'm going to go to more during oh, combination to to this time. <laughs> and he's always got really really interesting things to say. Yeah, so yeah. I, I strongly recommend that podcast. Yeah. So that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's this. it. I think that's all our drama that we have to talk about. Um, I think we can move on. We are. We do have a GoFundMe. Oh yeah. So we have a GoFundMe page. To get to convocation, convocation. Um, it's super expensive. uh, Between you know four nights in a hotel and food and tickets and all of that kind of stuff, it would be great to say that we're at the point where they just pay us to come, but we're not at that point yet. No, No, it's going to cost us like fifteen (laughs) hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, so it's like fifteen hundred dollars for us to go, or actually closer to eighteen hundred dollars. So if anybody wants to help out, please feel free to jump over to that GoFundMe. It'll be listed in the episode. It's also listed on our Facebook page mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a gazillion other places. So <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Shall we? Oh yeah, that's right. We have a Twitter. Right. I never. We do have a Twitter. Yeah. Oh, never on that thing. Just so that everybody knows, our Google Plus will be going away. 
as well everybody <laughs> as else's well, in as April. As well as all of Google+. Plus. They announced Google that sometime Plus. last year, and they're, it's finally going into effect, I think, in April. Yeah, yep. April 12th, I think, is yeah. the date that it finally just goes away. So, yep. oddly enough, Three Pagans and a Cat will still have a Google+, Plus because they're keeping it for business accounts. <laughs> uh, so, But we don't even use them. Yeah. No, so, I don't. You know. I and neither does much. anyone else. Right, and that's been the issue. That's part of the reason that Google just said goodbye to uh, yeah. that. Bye, goodbye, At least Google's goodbye. smart enough to realize, hey, this isn't working, let's shut it down yeah, and exactly. move on to something else. So exactly. Let's reduce our privacy liabilities. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, shutting down of, this thing that doesn't work. Are we done then with our main Oh, I do want to read one really cool thing. Oh. Okay. So, Jason Mankey, who we're interviewing... Right. Um, and whose blog I read religiously. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> and his books. I mean, God. Yeah. Who blogs on Patheos. Yep. And if you're friends with him on Facebook, oh, he's God, hysterical he's so when it comes to... Holidays? The holidays. Are you going to read his in-bulk parody? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are you okay with that? Yep. Go for it. So... Just remember... This is a parody. This is a parody. This is a parody. If you need it, go check our, our previous in-bulk episode. Not this one, but the one before, the Wheel of the Year in-bulk. Because we do all our debunking in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's not even debunking. <laughs> no. So, uh, Jason writes, uh-huh. uh, I want to wish all of my pagan peeps out there a blessed Imbolc. Imbolc is an ancient Celtic festival, which means inside, from the Celtic I am, which translates as in, and bulk, which means side of the bolt. Being indoors meant being on the inside of the door bolt. <laughs> On Imbolc, it was traditional for Celtic druids to visit the center of town and consult a local groundhog to see when winter would end, <laughs> believing the groundhog to be the Celtic goddess Serowin. They would place the creature in front of the cauldron to make its prediction. After the groundhog's prediction, they would leave its offerings of mistletoe and whiskey. Because people were trapped inside with not a whole lot to do, many Imbolc traditions centered around love and sex. After the Christianization of the British Isles, Imbolc turned into Valentine's Day so pagans could continue <laughs> their amorous ways without offending their new god. The Valentine hearts we see with such frequency in February were originally the symbol of the mother goddess and represented her ample and life-giving bosom. <laughs> Candles have long been associated with Imbolc and were used to purify the homes of ancient Celts. The flames were thought to drive out the fae who lived indoors with people during the cold winter months. This process was known as the Candle March, which would later be abbreviated as Candle Moss. When, when Catholics are renewing their candles at the start of February, they're actually attempting to drive the fae, which they see as demons, from their pews. Even the Super Bowl can trace its origins to the ancient Celts and Imbolc. The highlight for many on Imbolc was the crowning of the bladder ball champion, played with sheep bladders, which is why sheep are seen as sacred as Imbolc, at Imbolc. Bladder ball was a precursor to the modern sports of American football and rugby. The winning team got to cook up and eat the bladder ball, considered a treat, while the losers were generally executed. No matter how you celebrate it or don't, I hope you have a blessed Imbolc. This is parody. <laughs> Oh, he does this. He for does everyone. this every. I know yeah. for every holiday, oh, Jason Mackey oh, releases God. a new parody on his Facebook <laughs> about oh. what the Celts were doing. Oh my God, that's so awesome! <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I have very mixed feelings about this tradition <laughs> because they're hilarious and they're marked parody. But I 100% oh, guarantee there are people who it. take them seriously. Yeah. There always is going to be some poor soul who thinks it's the, the truth. The good news is, after this, I'm going to go watch Bladderball. That's right. I'm going to watch the Bladderball commercials. Right. <laughs> 
Is that happening? Yeah, yes, we're actually good. missing it right now. Are the Super Bowl's on now. Yeah. Yeah. I had no, I had I no, had no I, I completely missed that it was even happening, to be I honest. I asked your father if he wanted to reschedule this to earlier in the day so we wouldn't miss Super Bowl, but he said no. Sports, so. sports ball, I missed sports, I, right. I, I, Sometimes I'm aware that the Super Bowl is happening. Like, if I go to the store and I see that they're selling things that are that have Super Bowl written on them. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, that's coming up sometime, sometime. soon. Yep. This was not one of those years, so I just didn't know. <laughs> I take advantage of the sales. So anyway, we don't want to get off of Super Bowl. <laughs> so I think we should get into I think it's time to get into our story. Right, right. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Card, you want to start? We can go around the table. Yeah. Do some round robin. Like do one at a time. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. And then just keep going around. Yeah. That mm-hmm. works. You know, until we're done. And, or we run out of time, whichever comes first. Our, yeah, we'll we'll just pretend the mic is our imaginary fire. Uh-huh. I figured I would start with the Harp of the Dogdo, which is the oldest and probably least well known <laughs> of, of the stories from Celtic good, mythology. Good. Start with the obscure shit. Right. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, although the Dogdo is one of the primary gods of Irish mythology and is seen as kind of the all father mm-hmm. um, and part of the first tribe, the, the Tuatha Danadan, he carries around a club that on one end kills, on the other end, Brings you back to life. Pretty dope club. And he has this cauldron that's always filled with food, so you never run out. So it's like a cornucopia? Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. Yep. And then he has this harp. And when the Celts came to Ireland, because mm-hmm. they weren't original there, there was a, tr- a group of people already there. And then the myths are known as the Fomorians. Right. When the Celts fought, they just left nobody at home. They all went to fight. It was a big migration, right, basically. Right, yeah. So just everybody went to fight. So, so it was they, like there is no yeah. retreat. <laughs> right. So they let they left the great hall of the dog to open. Ooh, that seems like a mistake. And yes, it does. So the Fomorians snuck in and stole his harp, trying to win. What does the harp do? The harp does multiple things. Okay. One, it supposedly can control the weather. That would be useful if you're in the middle of a war. Yeah, that would. But what the Fomorians didn't know is that the harp only plays for the dog to. Ooh, uh-huh. it's like a soul bonded. Yep. Harp. <laughs> so the Dogda called to the harp, and in the process of it coming to him, it killed nine Fomorians. Oh, no. Well, so it did like a, like a, from the Marvel movies where Thor pulled yes, the hammer yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, but yeah. with a big fucking harp. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Just yep. slamming its way through the battlefield. Well, probably a small harp, because I think they held, these are harps. Oh, were these hand, the uh, handheld harp harps? Was, oh, it was a The Dogda is significantly large. Okay, <laughs> so. As a matter of fact, one of his wives was a giantess. So. Oh, fair. But then he struck three chords on the harp. Okay. The first that he played was the music of tears, and it made every man, woman, and child in the great hall weep. Okay. And then he played the chord of mirth. Okay. So everybody laughs, and I assume. Everybody laughs hysterically and manically. And then he played the final chord of sleep, which made them all fall into a deep and long-lasting slumber. And then they were all killed. Well, in their sleep. In their, in their sleep. sleep. <laughs> yeah. yep. I guess that's but they got to experience. Go. But they got to experience, you know, great tragedy and, and great, great joy, joy before, yeah. before they die. <laughs> in their sleep. <laughs> so that's kind of merciful. Yep. So, anyway, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Oddly enough, that's not the last battle with the Fomorians. Apparently some of them weren't in the Great Hall. <laughs> At yeah. the time. But, uh, <laughs> but it took out a chunk of them, so, you know. Yep. It did give them some time to kind of, uh, the Tuatha Denadon, some time to just kind of roam free and not worry. Okay. Because they had taken out a big chunk of the enemy. Right, exactly. Nine of them just by flying harp. By flying harp. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Giant heart fly. I can see this. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's my turn to tell a story. So I'm going to do it in the, in the style of all great storytellers. Gather around and listen to my tale, my children, <laughs> of a beautiful woman named Leda. Okay. She was a queen. Who was she? Was the daughter of King Festius of Aetolia and the wife of Tyndarius, King of Sparta. Oh, now she was a very beautiful woman, and the god Zeus, who, let's face it, <laughs> liked all beautiful women. Liked uh -huh. all beautiful women. She caught his eye, and so he decided to come down from Olympus, and to seduce her, he transformed himself into the image of a swan. And he seduced her. How the fuck that happened? I don't know. Because you know, swan, beautiful woman. I imagine it things went, happen. I imagine it went something like she got cornered by a fucking swan because they're <laughs> terrifying. Literally, if you've never seen a swan in person, they're enormous they and are. angry. So the point is, Zeus came to her and seduced her mm -hmm. in the form of a swan, and then the very same night she lay with her husband. The king. Because if you might have a god baby, it's very important it's, to establish an alibi. Well, here's the thing, though. She did not succeed in establishing her alibi because she gave birth to two. Yes, count them. Two sets of twins. <laughs> Is that, in some of the myths, quadruplets. <laughs> in some of the myths, she gave birth, giving birth to two eggs. Mm. And one egg hatched Castor and Pollux, uh -huh. and the other egg, Clytemnestra and Helen, who became Helen of Troy, of Troy, and reportedly the most beautiful woman in the world. So basically all the famous twins are Leda's fault. Yes. <laughs> supposedly. That's just according to one myth. She ended up having four children all at once. So the question is... Good. Is one set of twins from the king and one set of twins yes, that's from the, Zeus? According to the mythology, ah. one set of twins is there. There's there's Do you question. Know which is which? There, that's what I'm saying. Is there's question of who questionable parenting at this point? That Pollux is who was Castor uh, and Pollux. Pollux. Yes, was well, just they think just Pollux was the son of, of Zeus. That doesn't make any sense. And, Castor's his twin. And Helen. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, there all these different. Um, uh, myths gave different reasons different why and different parenting. So some say that only Helen was born from the egg, and the other was you know the her, other three. Her, the other three were born uh, as live babies. Birth. <laughs> okay, you okay. know. So I do have a question here. Yes, and it has nothing to do with that. Okay. Except that it does include two of the names that you talked about. Okay. In uh, Ode and My's favorite movie of all time, <laughs> Face Off. off. Uh, his name was Castor. Uh -huh. His brother's name was Pollux. Uh -huh. It wasn't their last name Troy? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Castor <laughs> Troy and Pollux yeah. Troy. Yes. Now, and then I should also say. <laughs> I know, right? And I should also it say that. It makes more in, sense now in my head. In, in some, in some of the myths, it's Helen and Polydeuces as her, as her twin. Oh. And then in some Castor and Clytemnestra. So there's, Questions of whose children I'm going are with actually Kastner and Pollux. I'm, I'm and most familiar with Castor and Pollux's twins, and being the son of Zeus. And uh -huh. there is yeah. there is also a myth that Helen was actually the daughter of Nemesis, born of an egg through Leda. So, so what I'm getting from this is that Leda was a cat. 
Maybe. Because she could have... Litters? Litters. <laughs> she could, and, and she could have litters where the different kittens, ha- I let guess, this- had different fathers. <laughs> I guess, let this, be, let this be a lesson to you. Never have sex with a swan. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a general just a precaution. Because otherwise, general you'll, you'll never know which one of your children are twins. That's right. <laughs> of whom? Of whom? And then, you know, just... Trying to cover up the fact that you had sex with a god who was in the form of a swan by having sex with your husband. That totally, like, just... Complicates just everything. Complicates yeah, everything. Yeah. It just, you know... And they didn't up. They didn't have genetic testing back no, in the day, so it's not no. like they could do DNA. some pet paternity tests. That's right. That's right. <laughs> not to mention, we got the whole bestiality thing going on right. anyway, so... so. Just some stuff that's coming across the uh-huh. Discord. Yeah. Sunshine said, I'm glad Car said that because I was thinking the same thing about Face Off. <laughs> about Face Off, yeah. <laughs> did it go through your head? Yes, it did. <laughs> that's right. So I had that's to bring right. it up. Uh-huh. You so, got something? I do. Oh, cool. uh, I'm going to tell the story of that time Thor went fishing, <laughs> which I know doesn't sound exciting, but just wait. <laughs> That one time Thor went fishing. <laughs> it's time. the only recorded time, time Thor went fishing. <laughs> you know, that one time Thor, Thor went fishing. fishing. You know, no big deal. So this story is recorded in both the Poetic and the Prose Edda. In the Poetic Edda, it's part of the Leif Himmer, which is like not the best part of the Poetic Edda. It's a little disjointed, but... Then Snorri and the Pose Edda took out the good part, essentially, which was Thor going fishing, if you can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he took out the good part of that and plugged it into the Prose Edda and came up with, like, a justification for Thor to go fishing. Gotcha. So, gotcha. So, we're going to skip sort of the preludes to why Thor goes fishing. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter why Thor goes fishing. He Thor fishing. goes fishing with a giant named Himmer. Himmer doesn't really want to go fishing with Thor for various reasons, not least of which is that he is a giant and Thor tends to kill them. So, But he's talked into it, because Himmer has the boat. So Himmer tells Thor, okay, fine, we can go fishing. I'm, I go fishing anyway. You just want to tag along because you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> so he tells Thor, okay, fine, you go get the bait. I, my oxen are over there. Go get some bait. And Himmer means go get some dung. Go get some ox dung. Because that is what he uses as bait. Okay. What Thor does is go find the biggest ox and chop its fucking head off. <laughs> okay. And bring it back to the boat and say, got that's, some bait. That's one way to do it. Because Thor is very extra. And Himmer's like, I mean, he just beheaded my ox with a hammer, so I'm not going to argue with him. Get in the boat. So they <laughs> row out. To about the the point in the sea where Himmer usually uh, does his fishing. Right. And Himmer throws out some bait that isn't an ox head. And he pulls up a whale. And he's like, okay, good good fishing. Let's go back. And Thor's like, nope, further out. Himmer's like, do we have to? And Thor's like, yep. So they row further out. And Himmer throws out a line with some more bait. And he pulls up another whale. He's like, that's two whales, my dude. I don't need it. Three whales. Like, we're good. We can go back now. And Thor's like, nope, further out. (laughs) Himmer's like... Okay, if you insist, but we're getting into some real choppy waters here. And Thor doesn't give a fuck. So they go further out. They go way, way out into the middle of the sea where you can't see shit around you. There's no land in sight. The waters are very choppy. It's deep, dark ocean. It's very ominous. Himmer is not enjoying any of this. He's got two whales. That's one more whale than he needed to begin with. He just wants to go home. And Thor's like, 
it's my turn. So he puts the fucking ox head on the end of his line, and he whips it into the sea. Now, you may have thought that two whales was a pretty good catch. But Thor, because he's very, very extra, has to catch the biggest goddamn thing in the sea. And the biggest goddamn thing in the sea is the Midgard serpent, Jormagander, brother of Hel and Fenrir, and child of Loki, and Angraboda. The Midgard serpent takes one look at that ox head floating in the ocean, says, that's a trap, but I want it. Goes for it. Thor feels the tug on the line, pulls up the Midgard serpent, says, I got you, motherfucker, because he's very extra. (laughs) (laughs) And Thor and the Midgard serpent start, I guess, what's the most dramatic attempt to reel in a fish that there's ever been. Because the Midgard serpent literally spans the entire breadth of the world. So Midgard is surrounded by a sea, and the whole sea is full of snake. Gotcha. Jormagander, that this was the only way to contain Jormagander, to prevent him from just growing indefinitely, was to throw him in this sea where there would eventually be a limit to how big he could get. Gotcha. So Thor's trying to pull this big, big snake up into the boat. The big snake isn't going to fit in the boat even if he gets it. But he's whacking away at this hammer, and he's pulling and thrashing, and Jormagander's like, excuse me, all I wanted was this trap? And Himmer's like, I don't want to fucking drown, my dude! There is no land in sight! You're about to get my boat pulled under the water, which is not ideal, and boats kind of stop working when they are full of water. So Himmer takes his fishing knife, and he, as Thor is pulling back, Preparing to strike the Midgard serpent again with his hammer, Himmer darts in there and cuts the line. Jormagander sinks back down into the ocean like, fuck this, I'm out. And Thor turns to Himmer like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> and Himmer is like, I didn't want to die. And Thor's like, too bad. And smacks him <laughs> with the head with his hammer and throws him overboard and oh says, swim back. <laughs> oh, that's the end of the one time Thor went fishing. <laughs> I want to know how you row a boat with two whales in it. Presumably, it's a, a big, big boat. boat. Yeah, but how do two dudes, even Thor, <laughs> row a boat with two whales in it? Himmer's a giant. Okay. And Thor is very extra. Okay. All right. Oh, it looks like, uh, is it Sunshine? Sunshine, yeah. Is liking Ode's Story Hour. Yeah. <laughs> Patron reward, extra episode, Ode's Story Hour. <laughs> so, so that's the, and the great thing about the story of the one time Thor went fishing. <laughs> the one time. And presumably because it went this way, he never got to go fishing again. <laughs> presumably because this was the result. Every other time he was like, I want to go fishing. Everyone else was like, no, stay home. Hang out with your fucking goats and chill. No, so, but the great thing... It's like Netflix and chill? <laughs> Netflix and chill. <laughs> Hang out with your goats Go- and chill. It's <laughs> an entirely different uh-huh. spin on that. Okay. I'm completely different. Yep. <laughs> Depending on who you are, apparently. Well, well, see... There was swans in one, so There was swans okay. in one. Uh, no, Thor has a very different relationship with his, with his goats, where he periodically kills them, eats them, and resurrects them. Oh, okay. Makes sense. (laughs) A very different kind of Netflix and chill with the goats there. (laughs) A little more ominous. Anyway, so the great thing about this story is that it is kind of a prelude to the ultimate fates of Thor and Jormagander 
at Ragnarok. Because at Ragnarok, when that time rolls around, many of the gods are fated to kill each other in various assorted fashions. And Thor and Jormagander are locked in a struggle and kill each other stone dead. Because they are equally matched, as was just proven in this fight. Was it really proven in this fight, or did the other That's the thing. This, this, is, the this, is why, this is why Thor loses his shit yeah. so hard. Because he's like, I could have gotten that fucking snake! And Hitler's like, no you couldn't, you, you psycho! Good, good one said, A, I want to draw that scene. <laughs> B, did Lita swan and kill? <laughs> Apparently she did. <laughs> Okay. We need to rename this episode Swan, Swan and Chill. Swan and Chill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it shenanigans. Just, yeah. no. Oh, but since you're so wound up already, uh-huh. you know what it's time for, yeah, right? Yeah, I figure. Oats! Stone! Connor! Car is channeling all of his desire to be watching football into that opening right there. <laughs> what we're going to do today is Carnelian. And now that I'm sitting here in front of the microphone, I think maybe I did Carnelian already, but it's too late, so we're doing Carnelian. <laughs> I gotta make a spreadsheet of all the stones I've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're 30 episodes in, and I don't even remember when I started oh, doing Oat Stone Corner. Yeah. Same with me. We're doing Carnelian. Carnelian is actually a variety of Chalcedony, and it can also be an agate. Chalcedony is a type of microcrystalline quartz, and Carnelian is the orange and red variety of chalcedony. If it starts to move into like a brown color, it's technically sard. When it's banded, instead of being solid or cloudy single colors, it is technically still a carnelian, but also a red agate. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just because of the way the stones are classified. Mm -hmm. The big difference between carnelian and sard is, like I said, that carnelian is lighter colored. It tends to be more in the orange spectrum, sometimes with like an amber or occasionally a darker red. Sard is dark, dark reds uh, into browns, sometimes into blacks. But they grade sort of from carnelian to sard. The other distinction is that carnelian is translucent, so if you hold it up to light, you should be able to see light through it. Even very semi-opaque variants of carnelian, you should be able to see some amount of light through. Sard is opaque. You won't be able to see light through it. The color of carnelian comes from iron oxide impurities, and it was used in Rome to make the engraved gems in signets and sealing rings because hot wax doesn't stick to carnelian. So you could seal as many envelopes as you needed to or whatever, and you wouldn't ever have to pick the wax out of your seal because it would just slide right off. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it it was widely used in Rome for that purpose. I think of carnelian as a speaker stone, So it's good for uh, effective public speaking, mostly because it's just a very active and energetic stone that has a lot of sort of confidence and courage qualities. You feel like your best self when you have carnelian or when you're working closely with carnelian. Mm -hmm. Because most of the problems people have with public speaking are anxiety, having a carnelian on hand Even if it doesn't help you clarify your thoughts in the way that some other stones will, like for that I'd want a related quartz or something, Mm -hmm. carnelian, if your big problem is anxiety, will cut right through that, which makes you a better public speaker. Uh, And for that reason, it's also really good if you are being pushed into like a leadership position that you're not like fully prepared for, things like that. Carnelian is just a very strong, energetic, uh, encouraging stone. Do you often take carnelian with you when we do these classes? Yes, I always bring carnelian with me when I do these classes. And that was it for Odes, 
Stone Corner! The story, the second story that I'm going to share, and I actually have three, so. Mm-hmm. She's, she's over-prepared. I'm over-prepared. <laughs> but no, the next story is about Pan and how he got his pipes. Ooh. Now, as you know, Pan, he was the... He's Randy. Kind of Randy. <laughs> he was uh, a god associated not only with shepherds and with, you know, the forest and valleys and fields and things like a wilderness that. kind a of wild, god, yeah. You know, the wild and wilderness. But he was also a fertility god. So, yes, many of his stories... Involve him being a little randy. Enthusiastically chasing assorted nymphs. Exactly. And so there was a beautiful nymph by the name of Syrinx. And she was a follower of Artemis. Okay. And so she kept herself very pure. She was was actually known for her chastity. Unattached to any man. That's right. So we have this beautiful woman. She's out in the wilderness, this beautiful nymph out in the wilderness, minding her own business when Pan caught sight of her and immediately became enamored with her and went chasing after her. Actually, he went over, he went to her to try to, you know, chat her up and woo her. and, And she was having none of it. As soon as she saw him, Obviously, knowing Pan's reputation, she took off a running Uh and she ran through the forest as quick as she could and Pan gave chase. Well, her father was the river god. So she ran to her sisters who were other nymphs and they were in at the river. Mm -hmm. So she ran to her sisters and begged for their help to hide from Pan who was chasing her. Mm -hmm. So they changed her into river reeds. They are <laughs> hollow river reeds. So I see when, where we're going with mm, this. <laughs> so when Pan came along, he all he heard was this plaintive, beautiful sound through as the wind rushed mm-hmm. through the reeds. And he didn't he knew she was in there somewhere, but he didn't know which one. So in order to have her with him forever, he cut off about five to nine reeds, crafted the pipe and held it with, and kept it with him and used it in all of his future doings so that he would always have syrinx near him. So that he would always have her corpse. That's right. <laughs> so there you go. Pan is, Pan is a serial killer. <laughs> Pan was, was uh, yeah, he was a randy dude, not unlike Zeus. Uh-huh. But he was not, he was also not very nice. <laughs> I mean, none of them were. Neither was Zeus. No, but, you know, she, and... I'm surprised, honestly, I'm surprised Artemis didn't have some words to I mean, maybe say she, with him. Maybe she did, and the myth you know, just doesn't record that part. It's possible, because, you know, she was pretty protective of her nymphs. This was one of her devotees. I mean, maybe it was one that she didn't like particularly Maybe, well. seriously. Let's, let's not pretend that the goddesses didn't occasionally have followers. They no, were like, mm, never mind with you. Never mind, never mind. So anyway, that is the story of Pan and Syrinx. Uh, Goodwin says, I've heard a theory, can't remember where, that virgin in ancient Greece meant had not laid with a man and that virgin goddess can be interpreted in a more sapphic light. Actually, mm. uh, actually what virgin means in Greek, uh, as I understand it, the word that we interpret, that we translate as virgin actually just meant unmarried young woman. Mm. So it didn't necessarily mean someone who had like never had sex mm. with a man or otherwise. It just meant someone who was uh, a young woman who was unattached. Right. And Syrinx, however, she was known for her chastity. Sure. So but that's that not was what, a thing in this story. But, but that's, that's not, not what, what virgin, virgin what the word we translate Although, as virgin. Although, here's a little nugget Greek. that I found today. Apparently, Hera 
the the wife mm-hmm. of Zeus, would often go to a, a particular fountain or spring that she would bathe in and then renew her virginity. <laughs> <laughs> so she could just she just apparently at will. <laughs> just at will she would just go to this particular fountain and she would bathe and she would rejuvenate her virginity all over again. <laughs> I would love to know which words from Greek that uses and whether it's the just unattached to a man one or the like sexually untouched one. Goodwin says Kegels in the spring. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. So anyway, I think that's, that's pretty funny when you, mm-hmm. when you consider who she was married to. <laughs> Hera periodically just being like, I'm not married to him. It doesn't count. <laughs> Guess what time it is? Ah. Uh. It's time for reviews. Oh, true. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We do have a book to review this time. We do. We are reviewing The Book of Beasties by Sarah Bamford Seidelman. (laughs) So this is an encyclopedia Mm -hmm. of... The A to Z. Yeah. Although we only got to see A to B. Right. We just saw a little... We just saw a snip of it in the proof that we got to Mm -hmm. review. Of various animals. Spirit animals. Spirit animals, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's is, what this book is about. It's yeah. connecting with animals as your power animal, your spirit animal, you know, imagery, that kind yeah. of thing. This is sort of a complicated topic where, like, the totems thing is very clearly stolen from Native American cultures with no context. Mm-hmm. But, like, mm-hmm. there are, like, in Norse mythology... There are filia, which are not like a spirit that you choose to associate with, but they're sort of like a representative of your soul mm-hmm. that you can sometimes shapeshift into. Um, well, and in Wicca and witchcraft, there are familiars that can be various kinds of animals. It doesn't always have to be a black cat. Right. The subject, I guess, of, of spirit animals as totems or as personal companions is kind of an interesting one. And I feel like this book just sort of glosses over and isn't interested mm-hmm. or concerned with that subject, which is fine, but that's just something I want to throw out there. Like, there may be some appropriative stuff in here I can't tell because I didn't get the whole book. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's a very, pr- I will say the, what we did see of it is a very pretty book. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. It's, I, I think the, the language you described is whimsical. Yeah, it's a very whimsical book. It feels like it's intended for, maybe not intended for like an explicitly young audience, but I guess like a young at heart audience. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And I think we also said a lot of it seems to be personal gnosis. Yeah. Um, her own personal interpretation. Yeah. So so each animal has about two pages. And she has like a little, quote, portrait of the animal. Yep. That is like a little narrative about like the animal's daily life or whatever. Or like a symbolic struggle the animal has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it talks about sort of like the lessons you can learn from this animal and then the the next page has like chakras and right, stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, it's sort of new agey. I wouldn't. I, I I don't think it like conforms I say it's to specifically pagan. Personally. No, it no, it's very it's very new agey feel to it. Um, she quotes Deepak Chopra yeah, in the yeah. in the intro, so like it's mm-hmm. about as new agey as you can get. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a bad book. No, I, would I wouldn't not, make it your like be all end all resource. This right. I would not say. It, and she does have some interesting things to say about connecting with spirit animals and and the reasons for doing that kind of thing. But I, I wouldn't make this your go to book for this. But mm-hmm. it might be an interesting book to have on your shelf just because of the. For one thing, it's pretty. It's kind of it, it's interesting I'll say it to was, read. I wouldn't say it was. 
I didn't feel interested reading it, but I did have fun reading it. Yes. So, yeah. so it was like a fun read, but include, not like a compelling read. And my understanding is she includes things like dragons and, and yeah, she includes mythological natural, animals. Yeah, right. she includes yeah. mythological as well as natural animals. So it, I think it's a book that's worthy of having. I would give it probably three stars. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm in that yeah. that same thing. Would, yeah. It was a good book. It was right. a nice book. It was, it was fun. A, yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah, nice, I would go with that. Yeah, book. yeah. Um, it, I wouldn't necessarily go to it for hardcore info. Yeah. No, but I think it would... But it's nice to have in your collection. Right, yeah. I wouldn't mind yeah. having it on the Exactly, yeah. yeah. It'd exactly. be a fun browse, and yeah. if you right. like, if you have a dream where an animal features prominently, it might be fun to go look it up. And it yeah. does really have some beautiful illustrations. The, the pictures. Yeah, the illustrations. The, yeah. the overall yeah. look of the book is very pretty. Yep. It's very well put together. Yeah. Um, and, and just so you know, if you uh, Amazon it, mm-hmm. um, it is available. It's the first book that shows up if you type in Book of Beasties. But just know that the second book is about the Beastie Boys. <laughs> and I think if I personally had to choose, I'd probably buy the Beastie Boys book and not the Book of Beasties. But, but there you go. How's your SEO doing? <laughs> but it is available currently on Amazon. It is Prime. Uh, it's fourteen dollars and ninety two cents, which is which not for bad that, for, yeah, yeah, for it's that. For, um, I'd pick it up for fourteen bucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a it's three hundred and seventy six pages. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fairly good. Yeah, it's pretty. Poem. It looked like it was pretty comprehensive. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. From from what we could see, yeah. I think I think there are people out there who will really enjoy it. Yep. And yeah, and I will probably eventually get it for our shelf. That's just to have that's it. the thing I'll say. Like I would, like I said, I, it's not an academic resource. No. I wouldn't consider it a serious resource in any no. sense. No, yeah. but it was fun, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed reading it. So right. yeah, there you go. Something for a cold winter's day, uh-huh. a nice cup of tea by your side. When you're bored. When you're bored. And you don't have like the, read. you don't have like the, um, the emotional or the mental energy to do like real serious research. Yeah. This is a fun one. Yep. yep exactly. That's it for reviews. Okay. All right. Another story. Come on. All right. So I've referred to this story several times, but I've never told it in detail. Now I'm going to tell it in detail. This is the story of the building of Asgard's walls. After the war between the Aesir and the Vanir was resolved and all the hostages were exchanged and everything, Asgard needed a wall so that it could be protected from future incursions and like from giants do. and things, you know, mm-hmm. all, kinds, yeah. all kinds of enemies yeah. out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And Asgard is where all the gods live, so you want it to be secure, right? Sure. That makes so, sense. Moment think, yeah. Right. So, the smith comes up, rolls up to Asgard, which currently has no walls. It's just a great big sprawling city. The smith rolls up to Asgard and is like, I can build y'all the finest wall that has ever been seen. And the gods are like, how though? <laughs> and he's like, just trust me. And they're like, okay. But what will it cost? And he's like, Freya's hand in marriage and the sun oh, and the moon. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I remember you telling me this story. I remember this story. It will cost you Freya's hand in marriage and the sun and the moon, but in exchange, you'll get the best damn wall you've ever seen. And the gods are like, mm, I don't know about that one. That's kind of a tall order. But we do really want the best wall that's ever been seen. So Loki, because this is how he rolls. Right, Loki. Loki. Loki's like, guys, I think we can trust this guy. I think he can build a good wall, but let's say we just tell him he's got a short deadline, you know, like one winter. Let's say if he can build this wall in one winter, he can have whatever the fuck he wants. He won't be able to do it. Nobody can build a whole wall around a whole city in one winter. So the gods are like, I mean, that sounds fair. So they go to the smith and they're like, yeah, sure. If you can build us 
the greatest wall of all time in one winter, then you can have Freya's hand in marriage and the sun and the moon. And Freya presumably is standing somewhere in the background what like, What the fuck? Do I get a say in this? And the answer is no, because she was recently hostage exchanged to the Aesir from the Vanir, so she's very much in a precarious position right, right now. So, and the sun and the moon, also personified beings in Norse culture, are presumably also just like, okay. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't happen. Everybody's planning for this not to work out, but they figure, you know, they'll get like half a wall or something and that'll be fine. Right. Half a wall is better than zero wall. So the smith says, okay, I can do this, but can I use my stallion, Svadalfari, as my assistant? And the gods are like, you want a, a horse? Is your, I mean, sure, go for it, whatever, my dude. Just build us the damn wall. And he's like, perfect. So the smith starts building the wall. And at first it seems like everything's going to be fine. Because he's, you know, he's doing architect stuff. He's laying out where he's going to put it. He's putting down the base walls. And then, as winter starts to move on, they realize Svadalfari the horse is not some normal fucking horse. Svadalfari the horse can run up into the mountains and drag down, like, three enormous boulders to cut into stones and build up, like, half the wall in a day. As the wall is being built, the gods are looking around like, I don't, um... This wasn't really in the plan, huh? Do we have, like, an exit strategy for this? <laughs> and, uh, no, they don't have an exit strategy for this. There's no plan. So, you know, they get up to the deadline. Right. One more day, and this wall will be complete inside the deadline. Dun, dun, dun. And, and Freya and the sun and the moon will have to go to this rando smith who just rolled up to Asgard like, hey, y'all want a wall? <laughs> <laughs> the gods are like, we've made mistakes. But you know what we do when we make mistakes? We blame Loki. That motherfucker's good for everything. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, all the gods gather around Loki and are like, you son of a bitch. You told us that this would be fine. And Loki's like, I didn't know we had a magic horse. And, and let me just say, <laughs> Loki didn't agree to the magic horse. The, uh, the rest did, of the every, gods everybody, did. everybody agreed. Everybody right. agreed to That's these right. to these conditions. But the gods are all like, Loki, you son of a bitch. You gave us bad advice. This is your fault. And if he finishes this wall and takes Freya and the sun and the moon away from us, we are going to kill you. We are just straight up gonna kill you. And Loki's like, well, let's not be hasty here. <laughs> So what does Loki do? Loki's like, everybody just chill out for a second. I'll fix it. I promise. So it's the last night. The only thing left to do is to fix the final stones over the gate. Svadalfari is up in the mountains, bringing down the last stones that are necessary. When he hears, very nearby, a seductive whinny. And he turns his enormous magic horse head, and he sees the most attractive mare he has ever seen in his life. And Svadalsvari says, I gotta get me some of that, and I do not care what the boss says. The boss has had me hauling stones for a solid winter. I am getting some of that, and he can wait. So Svadalsvari chases after the mare, and the mare runs away. And Svadalfari keeps chasing the mare, and the mare keeps running away. And this continues all night and into the next day. Svadalfari never shows up at the wall. The smith is standing around like, where the fuck's my horse? Where the fuck's my stones? I can't finish this wall. The deadline is literally minutes away. And the gods are like, huh, this wall doesn't seem real complete to me. Hey, smith. Hey, hey, smith. Uh, deadline's here. (laughs) And he's like, well, it's 
Most of a wall. <laughs> it's only missing one stone, and the gods are like,、mm, "Yeah, but it's not a whole wall, so we're not paying you shit. Like zero, zero dollars. No Freya, no sun, no moon, no nothing. Thanks, bye." And the smith is like, "This didn't work out like I thought it was gonna." So it's time to throw off the disguise. I've been a giant this whole time, and so's my horse. And because he's in a bad mood from just having lost out on presumably the harem of his life,、mm-hmm. uh, attacks Asgard, which is a real fool thing to do considering he just built, built them a wall. wall. Right. So Thor just smashes his head into a million billion pieces with his hammer, and、like、everyone says, "Hooray! We got a wall for free!" Meanwhile. <laughs> Back in the mountains. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the mountains, Loki and Svadilfari. Well, <laughs> they didn't run all night. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and eventually, Loki comes back up to Asgard, and he's like, "Guys, I have brought a horse." And they're like, "Is it Svadilfari?" And he's like, "Nope, better. <laughs> This one's mine." Meet Sleipnir, my child, and Odin's like, "I claim him forever." <laughs> and then Sleipnir is also Odin's steed for the rest of time. He will ride him forever. Sleipnir has eight legs because he is the son of the best horse and Loki, so he gets to just be super extra. He literally can ride across the sky. So not only do the gods get the best wall minus one brick out of this, but Odin gets the best horse of all time out of this. And what really cracks me up about this whole story is that you know Loki transformed into this beautiful mare to distract the the you know the Svadilfari, the stallion horse. Which Svadilfari, by the way, the name、uh-huh. means unlucky traveler. <laughs> so to draw this horse away、mm-hmm. and then ends up going.、Yeah, I'll do that. I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> you caught me fair and square, Svadilfari. <laughs> sure. Let's <laughs> get it on. To the winners goes the spoils. <laughs> I, that's what I love about Loki. He's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, why、sure. not? <laughs> yep. So that's the story of how Asgard got its wall, and also an extra horse, <laughs> a bonus horse, you might a say, a bonus horse. <laughs> it's time for Gwyn's Garden Gems. Hey, that's me. <laughs> that is you. <laughs> okay, today what we're going to be talking about is anise, and it's not just a spice in your cupboard, and it it's is, not just the flavor of licorice. It's apparently, it's not just the flavor of licorice. It is. It does come from a flower. It's actually the seeds of anise are what actually taste like licorice.、Okay. The reason that I decided to do that one is because it's actually sacred to Apollo, which, which is one of the other stories that I have on <laughs> back burner. If I, you know, if you get around to. I get around to telling it. <laughs> Basically, anise magically it is used to ward off the evil eye. Can use it to find happiness and also to stimulate psychic ability. So you can drink it as a tea. You can put it because it is edible. You、okay. know, and the seeds. The seeds alone are the only part. Oh, of no the, other parts. No, of it? no other、okay. part of the plant is used except the seeds. We bake with it. Is is what you do. Okay. So you, and you can make a tea or anything like that. And you can also use it as、um, aromatherapy. 
You can use the essential oil. You want your house to smell like licorice. Licorice, you know. You can use it in purification baths with some bay leaves. It's also good for protection and it's also good for meditation. Uh, very purpose seed. Mm-hmm, yep, you can use anise in incense blends <laughs> as well. Or if you do have the essential oil, you can use the essential oil. You do not want to put anise essential oil directly on your skin. It would always need to have a carrier first. So it's a hot oil? Yeah, it's a hot oil. Okay. It does have medicinal uses, good for coughs and for relieving chest congestion. So it, that's why it's that good to be familiar. put into a tea. Yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. there are maybe anise lozenges. Yes, or something. that's correct. Yeah. And you can create, um, you can make syrups and lozenges. A lot of herbalists will use anise in their blends. Right. You can make yourself a cup of tea by steeping one teaspoon of the seeds in boiling water for 10 minutes. And so okay. that would be a way to deal with um, congestion or, or uh, coughing. You can also make a tincture. Anise is good for the digestive system. It can stimulate your appetite, aid in digestion and relieve cramps or nausea, things like that. And again, it's it's apparent, apparently you can take a few seeds with some water and that will help with hiccups. Huh. It's always... So you won't be able to control the dragons anymore? <sighs> exactly. Okay, just checking. Hiccup cures are so weird. <laughs> That's right. I know. Yeah. They really are. There's such a, like, a random array of them. Sugar, now, the thing uh-huh. is, peanut butter. Yeah. When it comes to anise, you do not want to use anise in large quantities because then it can become toxic. Okay. So you, so you know, can overdose on it. Yeah, anise you can basically. overdose on it. So it's like if you're making a tea, you only use a, a teaspoon, a, a teaspoon. Yeah. of, of uh, anise. Again, with essential oils, you always dilute it. You can, obviously, you can crush the seeds to use in potpourri. You can roast the seeds and use it as a breath freshener. I, well, you can. If you like licorice, then it's Neither Car nor I like guys, licorice. don't like I have no so we're, so we're listening to all these uses like, all these ones that require me to put it in my mouth, not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, this is not a plant that you would grow in a pot or in your house. This is one that would go in your garden. It is primarily grown, I believe, in Asia and Europe, but okay. uh, American gardeners are starting to add it to their gardens. It does require a lot of water. Okay. And you would harvest the flowers, I believe, say May to September. Okay. What you would do is you take the flowers and you dry them out and you get the seeds. Because again, the seeds are the only part of the flower right. that, that's edible. But they're a really beautiful plant. They look a lot like Queen Anne's lace and they grow to be about two foot in height. Okay. So, so so they have that same, it's called an umber, because uh, it's like an umbrella mm. of stems. And then it has these white flowers. With all little the little white, flowers yeah, on the Yeah, little white flowers yeah. on, on the big bunch. umbrella bunch. Yep. So yeah, that's anise. Um, I think it would be, it's really beautiful to have in your garden because it, right. it is reminiscent of Queen Anne's lace. It's that kind of a flower. And then it's useful if you can, you know, harvest the seeds, then you can use them for a lot of magic as well as for baking and for medicinal purposes as well. That's it for Gwyn's Garden Gems. I would just like to throw in that anise also is found in many liqueurs. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it is. So you can find it in anisette. You can find it in ouzo pastiche. Mm -hmm. Anise is used in a lot of things. Also in absinthe. Now, absinthe, if you get absinthe, you have to be super careful because it's anise and wormwood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Absinthe got banned here in the States for a long time. It was. My understanding is the hallucinogenic properties of absinthe are slightly overstated, but it is mildly hallucinogenic. Yeah, yeah. and it's wormwood. Yeah, it's what what causes that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then the thing, the reason why I do not like the anise. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't like it because I'm not a, fu- a fan a, of the flavor. flavor but Carr killed it for himself. <laughs> yeah, I killed it for myself when I was probably 12. 12. I, think um, <laughs> I drank an entire bottle of Sambuca, which is anise flavored, off of my father's bar and made myself sick for like three weeks. He's probably Car- lucky he didn't die. Yeah, Car, did, Car was not making good choices at 12. No. <laughs> or 13 yeah. or 14 or 15 or 16 It took you a while to start yeah. making good choices, yeah. <laughs> do you have a story to tell us, Car? Yeah, did you I find do. a story? I do have a story to tell. I have a story to tell. <laughs> tell us your story. And it's about Finn McCool. I love Finn McCool. I love this story. I don't know anything about Finn McCool. I know McCool. this story because well, I used to tell it. I used to read a book about Finn McCool to my preschoolers. Which Finn McCool story do you, are you thinking of? I don't of? know. You tell me the story and I'll tell you if it's <laughs> So Finn McCool is basically Ireland's Superman. Yep. Ah. Um, renowned warrior, paved the roads to Scotland, and hunted giant, monsters, right? created entire islands. His father was a bandit outlaw, and his mother was a kidnapped daughter of a druid. That's the coolest shit uh-huh. I've ever heard in my <laughs> I life. I believe Finn McCool is supposed to be a giant. Finn's countless adventures are a testament to his unusual heritage, mm-hmm. from the time that he speared a demon on the Hill of Terror, to when he uh, had an uh, enchanted fish that sucked his thumb and mm-hmm. brought into him eternal wisdom. Known as the Salmon of Knowledge. Yeah, and that's that's, what I'm that, story, that story sounds vaguely familiar. Yep. That is not the story I was gonna. I was thinking of, but I have heard. I'm, that one. It sounds like Finn McCool had many oh, adventures. Many, <laughs> many, many a Finn McCool story. But out this there. Finn McCool story happened when he was still a young lad. Okay. And he went to live with a very wise man named Finnegas. Okay. And Finnegas was a poet who we also know would be as a prophet, prophet or druid, mm-hmm. who lived on the banks of the River Boyne and was renowned throughout Ireland for his vast knowledge. Okay. He also was very good at reciting and composing poetry. He knew about more about the ways of the world rather than just Ireland. He knew about other Ooh, places. And, he was a traveler. Yes, and included all the secrets of birds, animals, plants, stars. He knew. He was a druid. He was, yep. This right, yep. Finn McCool was hanging out with a druid. That is exactly right. He, he was Marty McFly with his weird quantum <laughs> physicist friend. <laughs> That's right. So Finn loved to listen to Finnegas' stories and words of wisdom and that kind of stuff. And uh, in exchange for wisdom Finnegas would pass on to him, Finn would have to help out around the house. Okay, so chores yep, cooking, in exchange cleaning, for fishing. the secrets of the universe. Yep. <laughs> Sounds fair. Uh-huh. Despite Finnegas's vast knowledge, he did not know everything, and there were times when Finn's endless curiosity would get the better of him. Oh. As, you know. So he was that for... he was that kid always asking, why? Why? Yeah, but exactly. why, though? <laughs> but why, though? It reminds me of someone I know. <laughs> and Finn said, is there a way to know everything? How can I bypass you, basically? (laughs) (laughs) Not that this chores for knowledge gig isn't good, but how can I skip you? This was a question that Finnegas had asked once as well. Okay. And was the very reason that he now lived next to the River One. He had been told by druids of old that living in a still dark pool in the shade of an overhanging hazel tree was the salmon of knowledge. Mm. And so, according to that, according to the prophecy, the one who would eat the salmon of knowledge would gain knowledge for themselves. So he had been attempting to catch this salmon for ages mm-hmm. and still had not. So it happened that one day, not long after Finn had uh, come to study under him, that Finnegus went fishing and finally caught the salmon. I've caught it. I've caught it. He cried happily. Because that's what you do, apparently. <laughs> of course. I used to fish. You do that. I caught it. I caught it. <laughs> he immediately reeled it in and ran up to Finn with the salmon in his arms. Okay. 
So, so it was a big, it was a big, big salmon. salmon right? <laughs> it's a big one. Yep. You must cook it straight away, Finnegus ordered Finn, dancing and skipping about in excitement, because, you know, one of his jobs for right? yeah. college was do the, the chores. Yep. As Finn was beginning to set up the fire in the spit in order to cook the salmon, Finnegus warned him, cook it, but whatever you do, do not eat a single bite of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm, not one. Because Finnegan's got to have all that right. knowledge for himself. So Finn, not went, nice. Finn went about doing the cooking of the salmon while Finnegan went to fetch some extra firewood. Mm-hmm. Upon his return, Finnegan found the salmon laid out and ready to eat. He looked at Finn and thought he saw something different about him and said, Have you eaten any of the salmon? I have not, Finn replied. Have you tasted the skin? He continued. I have not, Finn replied. But when I was turning it on the spit, I burned my fingers. So I put my thumb into my mouth to ease the pain. Phineas's heart sank. That is enough, he told Finn. You have tasted the salmon of knowledge. In you, the prophecy is fulfilled, and you are the one who has gained all the knowledge of the world. So from, like, the fat from the uh-huh. fish. Uh-huh. He then ordered Finn to eat all of the salmon. However, when Finn was finished, he realized he didn't feel much different, nor did he feel any wiser than before. When he told this to Phineas, Phineas replied, it was your thumb you burnt, you first burnt, then placed into your mouth. Finn did as Finnegus suggested, and immediately all the knowledge of the world rushed into his head. You must go now, for there's nothing more I can teach you. Because you're, you're destined now... to become a wise poet, warrior, and leader. And so it was that when Finn grew up, he did indeed become a wise poet, warrior, and leader. He became the greatest leader in all of Ireland. The greatest band of warriors Ireland has ever known. Finn McCool. Finn McCool. The coolest dude. Yep. Ever. Well, at least Finnegus didn't, like, hold a grudge. He was yeah. bummed, but he didn't, like... That's right. He didn't He didn't get all bad. Yep. Uh-huh. And then Finn McCool also, I mean, just so you guys know, you know, he bro- built all these roads, and then he got into a fight with a giant. Yep. That's mm-hmm. the one I was thinking of. And built, th- because of the fight with the giant, built the giant's causeway. Yep. That's, oh. That is the yeah. one that I read to my children in uh, when I was teaching in preschool. preschool. That's why I didn't want to do that when I felt the Sam of knowledge was better because <laughs> I knew you knew that Femical story. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That I like cool. that. That's very right. cool. Good. And do you know what? Oh. It's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Every time. I can't not laugh at it. <laughs> So I've talked about this recipe uh-huh. multiple times, uh-huh. but I've never given the recipe. I've always said, hey, I make this great dish. <laughs> and it uh, but is. it's a secret. <laughs> it really is great. Um, he was being Finnegus. <laughs> yes. But now you all get to eat the salmon of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> or in this case, the mushrooms the of mushrooms knowledge. The mushrooms of knowledge. So this is Madeira mushrooms in trio sauce, or as I like to call it, mushrooms menage a trois. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Because if, um, if you could call it Mushrooms Menage a Trois, why would why you not? Why? Right, exactly. <laughs> so you're talking about uh, porcini dried mushrooms that have been reconstituted, button mushrooms, and shiitake mushrooms. Goodwin says, they've wanted this for so long. <laughs> there you go, baby. And then you get a shallot, some fresh parsley. Just one? Yeah, just a shallot. You just need one shallot. Okay. One shallot. One shallot. Shallot. Shallot, shallot. The lady of shallot. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> Some vegetable oil, some beef broth, some thyme leaves, and some salt. Okay. But the major portion of this. Mm-hmm. And the recipe that I'm going to send you guys is not how I make it exactly because website that it's on. Mm-hmm. He tweaks. He I tweaks. tweak, yeah. So it says two tablespoons of Madeira wine. 
What I use is half a bottle of material. <laughs> Trust me, you want to do it Carr's way. <laughs> That's so, so good. It makes the difference. It is so good. So basically, you soak all the mushrooms that are dried mushrooms mm-hmm. in a cup of hot water for 20 minutes so they reconstitute. While you're doing that, you chop up the shallots and the uh, button mushrooms. Which also known don't as have shallots. Yes, yeah, shallots. <laughs> uh, and the button mushrooms, which obviously don't have to be reconstituted, and you mince up the parsley. Then you heat the oil in a saucepan over medium-high heat. Add the sautéed shallot um, <laughs> and other things in there. Then for a minute... To kind of get them to loosen up, get a little happy with the with the flow of things. <laughs> you add all the mushrooms. You, all the reconstituted mushrooms? All the reconstituted mm-hmm. and the button all together. Do you so, add the water too? Nope, not yet. The, that they were reconstituted no. in? No. No? Nope. Okay, so nope. you drain you them drain first. Them. Yep, okay. Drain the water. Drain them and, and dry them off. And then you throw all the mushrooms in and you let them get all nice and... You like simmer seared. it down, right? Yeah, for, well, you spend about or, three minutes with oh, the mushrooms, sautéing the mushroom, them. Okay. Right. Sweating. And, right. <laughs> then you add the beef broth, the wine, not two tablespoons, but, but half, half a bottle, thyme, and your salt. You bring it to a boil and you reduce the heat to low. And then they only let it simmer for eight to ten minutes because they only use two tablespoons mm-hmm. of wine. <laughs> it's going to take you, you a You want to reduce it down. 35 or 40 minutes. You want this sauce to kind of thicken up and the wine will help do that. And once it starts to get where you're feeling like it's like the the mushrooms are almost caramelized looking because okay. they're just mm-hmm. coated in the sticky wine gooey stuff okay. that you put in there. Then you remove it from the heat, you stir in the parsley, and then you plate the puppy and mm-hmm. it's so amazing. And you can serve it with so many different things. Yeah, I do it with beef Wellington a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually use the exact same mixture on the inside of my beef Wellington, mm-hmm. so it's it's fairly complex for me. But I can't eat this because I don't like mushrooms. But right. trust me, friends. But it smells excellent. It, it is wonderful. They, you could just eat that all by itself. Oh yeah, and just, I have. You know, <laughs> just give me a bowl of mushrooms, menage a trois. So that is. My, uh, your recipe. recipe. Yep. We still don't have an outro for Carson. No, we, we don't. I, th- I think it's just going to have to be, yeah. you know, he's done. <laughs> and he's done. That's and, the recipe. And, and he's done. He's done. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read Greek myths in a long time. And I was like, oh man, this is fun. I'm going to keep doing this, uh-huh. I think. And I would encourage everybody who's listening, you know, who's listened to us share these myths. Mm-hmm. If you haven't gotten into your myths of, for a while, yeah, go, go yeah, look, go, at, go look the at them again. Yep. Yep. And, and I really do encourage, like, don't just read them, retell them. Because yes. I really think you get something out of telling the stories. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because, like, when I was doing research for this, a lot of it was just encyclopedia entries that yeah. I found. It's hard to find these story versions of what's going on. So it's a lot more fun if you can tell Certainly the story yourself. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. in English. Right, yeah. And so, and it's interesting to think of the various characters that are in mm-hmm. the mythologies, how they were relating to this whole thing. And what, and one thing begets another, for instance, Leda was the mother of Helen of Troy. Right. So and like, a whole huge ass war was started because of her, you know? Right. And a great movie called Face Off came out of the <laughs> King Adam Castor. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, all things circle around. 
It's so it's interesting to to know your mythologies and to make them a part of who you are as mm-hmm. a pagan, I think. Yeah, and and other people's mythologies too are interesting, especially mm-hmm. if if you are able to sort of build up for yourself like a personal storehouse of of various stories and myths from mm-hmm. across the world. You can make connections that you wouldn't otherwise make. Well, for yeah. instance, I was talking to some friends over at Arts and Craft last night because I went to a Brigid celebration. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the fact that one of the gods that she works with is Papa Legba. Mm-hmm. And I think she also does um, Maman Brigitte, which is another form of, of Brigid or Brigid. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Mm-hmm, Maman Brigitte or Maman Brigitte, I think mm-hmm. is how it's pronounced. Yeah. I realized I don't know that much about the, the Vudan gods and goddesses, the, mm-hmm. their deities or their mythology right. or the, you know, the, and the stories that because there are a lot of interesting stories mm-hmm. last year at convocation i learned uh the story of yeah. uh, uh, uncle monday yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah. know who was an alligator spirit right my whole thing is the celtic tradition it was all oral and it was all, it was oral. all oral yeah so you know You're it's like of, playing the, telephone exactly mm-hmm. the, the little details get lost that are adjusted or changed right. yep. well, and yeah. it's like there are so many different st- versions of the story of Zeus and Leda uh, how many kids did she have which kids did she uh-huh. have did which she kids belong to which fathers yes which yeah. kids belong to which fathers because she did have a husband mm-hmm. you know and of course those children all went on to do other things mm-hmm. right important things because yep. they were because they were the, the children of important people they were right. the children of either a king and a a god, uh-huh. a god and a queen, yep. you know. You yeah. Can- I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's everything. I think we have. I, I think, think we've, we've covered the end of, yeah, this, the, the, of our storytelling time. Of this first yes. storytelling yes. episode. We'll probably do a few more of these. Mm-hmm. Yep, we will indeed. As a matter of fact, I think we have at least three more already We do. Set up, so. I, have, yeah. I have three more tentatively scheduled yep. for sometime in the future. So, so But it was, it was nice for us to kind of have a, a time that was more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Rather than some of the heavy stuff we've been talking about. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank uh, you. Um, thank both you for the live <laughs> and, and, and the and memorex. Those of you oh my who, God. who didn't watch the Super Bowl but hang decided to hang uh-huh. with us. Yeah, and now we're gonna go. At least I'm gonna go watch. Car's the Super gonna Bowl. watch the Super Bowl. I'm gonna go watch the commercials. And Gwen's gonna go watch the commercials. I'm gonna go make so. art because <laughs> tomorrow I have to edit. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys. We love you, and uh, we hope go out there and read some good myths, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And don't don't stick to just necessarily your yeah yeah your yeah. pantheon. Yeah. Explore. Yeah, explore, explore. There's and, a lot of pantheons out there. And, I'll, and some of them you're just going to have to freaking make up. So feel free. Yeah, that's true. There, are, I mean, because there are a lot of gods that, you know, we've talked about this before, that we don't have myths for them anymore. Right. Like, we don't have myths for, um, oh, the, for, for, oh, for Estra. Estra. Mm-hmm. We don't have myths for Estra. So write one. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if, ha- you, if you have a connection. Exactly. exactly. If you have a connection to Estra. If if that's if she's a goddess you worship and yeah. you have UPG about her, write her some goddamn myths and spread them around. That's, that's how right. these things got started. Oh, and send them to us and we'll put them in the magazine. Yeah, exactly. Which we are gonna get started eventually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as soon as we have enough I content. Think that's in, uh, an important thing. Is these stories started because they were telling stories yeah. about their gods, their experiences, their lives, their moral tales. Yep. yep. You know, these don't stories fuck with all swans. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally. Don't fuck with or fuck swans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, don't but, swan and. Chill. Uh-huh. And chill. But the the point is, we have we have stories that we can tell, mm-hmm. and there's people no get really that those people stories get, don't have to just be ancient. Yeah, people yeah. get really hung up on sort of the the ancient authenticity of myths, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. 
interesting information. It's interesting to know the difference between what's new and what's old, to know the things your ancestors probably believed. Mm -hmm. But they weren't old when your ancestors believed them. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. At one point, all these stories were new, y'all. Exactly. Write new stories. Tell new tales. That is how religions grow and breathe. That's right. Exactly. So we encourage you, read and write. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So that's it for this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Mm -hmm. You can find us at threepagansandacat.com. You can also find us on Facebook at 3PAAC. That's the number three, PAC. (laughs) You can also find us on Twitter at three underscore pagans. And a bunch of other places like the Discord channel that we have Mm -hmm. and the Patreon channel that we have. The YouTube we haven't updated recently, which we need to. (laughs) And also the GoFundMe to help out with convocation. All of those Mm -hmm. will be We have a red bubble. We got yeah. We got a bunch of stuff. We got stuff. You can get to all of it through the website. Yep. Threepagansandacat.com. The number three pagansandacat.com. Yep, that is exactly it. So for Gwen, Ode, and myself Carr, Mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. For this episode. Yep. Go go forth (laughs) and eat Super Bowl food. (laughs) And remember, don't swan and chill. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.